Is anybody happy to be here? Yes. Absolutely no place like the, like, like the place of God. So uh, first and foremost, giving honor to the first That's what you do in super religious churches. Giving honor to the first family, uh, the pastor. and the There it is. But what, what we're going to talk about today um, is it is a context. Look at your neighbor say context. context. Now look at your notebook, your smartphone, your dumb phone, whatever you're writing on, like a tablet or whatever it is, and write down the word context. Today, you're going to look at the word. You're going to look at God's voice. You're going to look at what we're going to share today in context, which means that what you hear may sound good, but it may not be a copy and paste in your family. A lot of the times when we come to church and we hear things about family, we believe like, oh, it works for them. It can work for me. It works for them. It works for me. I wake up at 5 o'clock in the morning. Who does that work for? Didn't th- who, does it, who does it not work for? So if you copy and place waking up at 5 a.m. to your life tomorrow and you get upset, you won't be getting upset with me, but you'll be getting upset with thinking that what worked for them will work for me. What we have to understand is that there are multiple hundreds of millions of families in this room. Your kids, your kids' kids, if you don't have children yet, we understand that all things are already here in the spirit. So what we have to understand is that when we come to church, you need to take what happens here and put it into context of your family. So if we say that we eat four to five times a day, but you got a little bitty stomach, you can't do that or you're going to be obese, right? So that means that whatever you hear from any man of God, woman of God, any book that you read, any diet, you need to put it into context. Because if we don't put it in context, Christian people will live their lives in bondage. Well, you said if I do this, that, and the other, it would work. Yeah, that worked for us, but what works for you? What are we talking about today? context. Ready to take some notes? So here we go. Write down the word date. Anybody been on a date? How many of y'all went on a date this last weekend with your boo? Your side boo? I mean, don't answer that. Don't raise that. brother was like, whoa, she in here with me now? I'm kidding, kidding, kidding. The context of the word date is in relationships. We, it reaches all the way back to 1896. So It was used in a newspaper after this guy was going, he was with this woman and they were going steady. That's what they used to call it. They were going steady. He would go by to see her and she would come by to see him. And at one point in time, um, he he gets really frustrated with his girlfriend because he goes out to buy her a gift. And when he comes to dinner, he realizes that the gift that he bought, she's already wearing the dress. So in that time, how you knew if somebody really loved you was by the acts of service or by the gifts that they would give. Because it was like, I spent literally all I had on this dress. And you can look so pretty in it. But then he shows up, and she already got it on. So what happens is, is he goes to the newspaper, and he takes out a column. And, and he begins to lament about his girlfriend publicly because we didn't, they didn't have, you know, smartphones in 1896. And as he began to write these things, uh, as he began to write about her, this is what he wrote that she was filling all of her dates with another soul, as in the dates on the calendar. So now fast forward to, 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 to 2020, when we go on dates, all we're doing is not necessarily looking to fulfill our, our, our personal needs. We're not looking to fulfill that space with a person, but it's really like, I, ain't, I don't know who I am. I don't know what I'm doing, so let me just fill up these dates. Let me fill up these dates in my calendar because I don't know what I'm going to do on Tuesday, so let me go out with Brian. I don't know what I'm going to do on Friday, so let me call Lisa. And what happened was, is as he began to write this, this in the newspaper, the word date took out the word courtship. Now let me give you courtship. 
1896, remember, is where the, where the first time that we see the word date in the New York Times. I won't give you the guy's name, even though he's, God rest his soul, he's probably feeling some type of way. But before that, remember, 1896. Now let's jump back to the 1570s. Now in the 1570s, families worked a little bit different. Because families knew that once I got married, by law, everything that was the other person's, if you were the male, now wasn't just yours, but you were now responsible. There's a difference between ownership and responsibility. Because a lot of us own our cars, but we're not responsible over them. Oh, don't lie to me. You got four or five different lights on your dash right now that have been there since Christmas. So we understand that once you are in something, you literally become an owner of it. So in the 1570s, there was this understanding of a behavior of a courtier. That's C-O-U-R-T-I-E-R, and that's a noun. But the meaning is for wooing a woman, getting her attention that is paid by a man to a woman with intention of winning her affection and ultimately her, cons- her consent to marriage. It's from the 1590s. But by the 1830s, if you used, a, this, if you used this verbiage, it no longer became mutual. Because the context of courtship is mutuality. The context of dating is somebody found somebody attractive first, and now you're trying to make sure that they see you the same way you saw them when you first saw them. Breathe. So here's my title for today. The Container of Courtship. Rules to Engagement. Now, Pastor Martin so boldly <laughs> shared about um, our engagement um, uh, a couple weeks ago, which we're extremely excited about. And a lot of people celebrate the engagement, but they don't know the foundation that was laid before the ring got there. And a lot of people, we get so excited about, oh, my God, you're engaged, but we don't necessarily check the fruit. We don't check the container by which the relationship lives in. So I just want to give you a couple of points, and then Pastor Martin's going to teach. He's going to be the wisdom, but I'm going to teach through the context of the lens of the Bible. Is that all right? So here we go. You ready? If you're ready, clap once. If you're ready, clap two times. So here's the first point. The container of courtship is relationship. I want you to understand that your courtship is only as good as who's connected to it. When we look at courtship in the 1590s, the two individuals that were madly in love, the families that were around them didn't even see them as players in their own relationship because they believed that they were too love drunk to be able to look at one another and see clearly. So what they understood was before I meet someone, I need to set up an environment of people around me that know when I stink that know when I'm losing my mind, that know when I'm seeing things, I'm sorry, that know when I'm not seeing things that aren't there. Because by the time that I see her, by the time that I see him, I've already fallen in love. I like, ladies, I'm already married. I got the dress. I got my Pinterest set up. Like, I got everything set up. I'm already married. But what the families wanted them to understand in the 1590s was that your relationship is only as good as how connected you are to me. The daughter knew that her relationship with her husband was going to be built within the context context of the relationship with her father. The son knew that if he was going to have a great relationship with this woman that he wanted to marry, the only way that he was going to be able to build those foundational pieces of how to love a woman is if he had a mother at home. But now we understand that it's not like that in every home. Look at your neighbor. It's not like that in every home. So we have to use as the people of God this word context. We don't date, but we use courtship as our context to see the word of God correctly. Courtship is not necessarily biblical, like you're not going to find the word, but based off of our kingdom principles, these are the the strategies that we believe that if we follow these, that we can have much better relationships. So if courtship is a container, the first result of falling in love shouldn't be falling out of relationship. Young man, if you love her, young woman, if you love him, 
And the first move that she has is to make it awkward for you to go home for Christmas. You used to go to breakfast with your moms every Saturday, and now you become later and later and later and later, and then it becomes inconvenient for you to eat eggs Benedict with your moms, which are with your boo. You might want to start questioning if this is the right one, because if you're in courtship, relationship should drag you to relationship and not away from what makes you who you are. Because it starts out subtle. It doesn't start out, I hate your mom, she's a piece of trash. It starts out, well, hey, I got breakfast with my mom at 10 a.m. Well, you know, I was thinking about going to the gym at 9.30. And I want you to go with me. So sometimes what somebody is using as manipulation can be wrapped up as an opportunity. Okay, let me go on. Halt your personal development. If you are taken out of relationship and courtship, it can literally halt your personal development. This is your personal wants, your hobbies, and your relationship with God. If you're in a relationship with someone and you start to lose interest in what you used to be interested in, you no longer remember your favorite color, you don't remember what you used to eat, everything is yes, dear, yes, dear, yes, dear, yes, dear. What you might understand is that when you're in singleness, when you are by yourself in God, you can really hone into what God has for you, which is purpose. The last part about relationship is I want you to write this down is that no good relationship that is headed towards any type of marriage Friendship, courtship, if you want to say dating, any of those things, none of them will work without family. It does not, it, it does not work. Find me one environment. Find me one example where it's working perfectly. And I bet you if you look at that person, they would say, I wish my moms was here. I wish my, my dad knew his grandkids. So can we jump to the word? Here it is. This is my second point. Look at your neighbor and say, you are good all by yourself. So there's a reason why we like to talk in Genesis 126. Um, how many of you guys were with us on Thursday night for our, our, our love event? Absolutely. It's so much fun with our singles, unmarried folks. It was absolutely great. And what I explained to them on Thursday is that the reason why we talk about Genesis all the time, because you never say all the time. Like warn the new person. They talk about it. This is not the first time they're going to reference it every Sunday. It's because Genesis is the most perfect book in the Bible until you get to chapter 3. So everything that you see in the word after chapter 3 is God's people messing up, trying to get it right, messing up, trying to get it right, trying to get back to Genesis 1. In Genesis 1, 26, 27, in the message, God spoke, and he said what? Let us make man, make, I'm sorry, let us make human beings in our image. Make them underline this, reflecting our nature, so they can be responsible for the fish of the sea and all the different animals that he creates. But listen to this. Then God created human beings. He created them what? Godlike. So what you have to understand is that God was by himself, but he wasn't lonely. God was by himself. He knew who he was. He was righteous. He was omnipotent, meaning he could be everywhere and nowhere all at the same time. So he didn't create man out of loneliness. He didn't create man out of lack. He created man out of desire of relationship. How many relationships have we jumped into, not because we desired relationship, but we were desperate for just anything? It is true that God created us for community. Community can be fulfilled without relationship. Because once you were born, you had community with God. Let me prove it to you. In 2 Peter 1 through 3 in the New Living Testament, it says this. By his divine power, who? God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of us by coming to know him. The one who called us to himself by means of the marvelous glory and excellence. How many of you were born holding on to your wife that you're married to now? How many of you were born with a 28-inch uh, screen TV? 
How many of you were born with a 3,000 square foot house? None of us. Which means that once you were pushed into this world, everything that you need to feel whole and to feel single, you already had it. Which means that if we're jumping into relationships to find self, if we're jumping into relationships to feel whole, what we're actually doing is telling God, what you gave me when I got here isn't good enough. And the only thing that you gave me when I got here was my booty, this is naked, and you. So I'm basically telling you that you are not enough. So we have Christians that are roaming the world thinking that God is not enough and that they're not enough. But I want to make sure that you understand something today. You are good all by yourself. You're good all by yourself. Here's the third point. You ready? Purpose comes before the person. Remember, these are going to be building blocks. Singleness, relationships, courtship. Is this good to anybody? Okay. Listen to this. Genesis 2, 5 through 6. At the time that God had made heaven and the earth, before any grasses or shrubs had sprouted from the ground, the whole earth was what? Watered by underground springs meaning that the garden was self-sustaining. The environment that God chose to put Adam in didn't need anything from anybody or anybody else. It had what it needed. Look at your neighbor and say, I, it, had it, had it had what it needed. So God hadn't yet sent rain on earth, nor was there who? Anyone around to do what? Work the ground. So then we jump to Genesis 2.15. So what happens in between those verses is that God realizes that once he's created the atmosphere, once he's created the environment, that there's nobody there to tend to the ground. So he literally pulls out of himself and breathes into this figure, and he calls it man. Look at your neighbor say man. man. Look at your other neighbor say that's you and me. So you have to understand that before you were created, your environment was created before you. So wherever you've been planted, if it's your, wherever your, whoever your family is, regardless if they're alcoholics, regardless of whatever happened to you in the basement, I want you to understand that the environment of God was there before you were there, regardless of what happened to you. I'm going to prove it to you. So in Genesis 2.15, God took the man, he did what? He set him down in the Garden of Eden. He set him down in the environment. He set him down in the atmosphere that was conducive to his growth. You see why he didn't say the, the Garden of Babel or the, the Garden of Europa? No, I'm not saying that God didn't create other, other gardens. But what I'm saying is that this garden that he created was specific to Adam. So then God commanded the man. He said, you can eat from any of the trees of the garden except from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat from it. The moment you eat from it, what will happen? You're dead. Not that you might die. Not that you might sneeze and cough. <coughs> no, bro. You're dead. But what God was trying to get to Adam was that it won't be a physical death, but it'll be a spiritual, mental, psychological, instantaneous death. You want proof? Ever been in a relationship that looked pleasing to the eye, but once you were in it, you're like, this ain't it, chief. This apple looked good for eating, but once I bitten and I taste and I seen the knowledge of the good and evil of this person, now I get kicked out of Eden, I get kicked out of the atmosphere because of the relationship with the person. Okay, let me, let me, I only got seven minutes. Let me wrap it up. So there are three things that God gives Adam before he gives him Eve. There are three things that he gives Adam before he gives him Eve. What did I say? There are three things that God gives Adam before what? Before he gives him Eve. The first thing that he gave Adam was a place. 
He gave him a space. He gave him Eden. He, he created an environment where he said, you know what, before I create Adam, before I create this relationship with Adam, make, let me make sure I have a space in order for the relationship to build in. One of the biggest reasons of why our relationships are dest- being destroyed is because we don't have a container for them. And what happens to juice if you just begin to pour with no container? It goes everywhere. It creates destruction. And if I pour juice in the living room, it doesn't just affect me. It affects everybody in the house. So when we believe that we're good enough, and I was going to do an analogy, but I'll do it later. But if we, be- we believe that we're good enough to contain what God has for us, and it's like pouring a waterfall into our hands, we can't, we can't contain it. But if God creates the container of our relationships, it all works out. What I want to make sure you understand today is that the container for sex is marriage. The container for relationship is in courtship. The container for figuring out how to love a woman, my my brother, is through motherhood. The container of learning how to love a man correctly, my sister, if you don't have a father, is a father figure. God literally created the container for everything to work. What happens is is that we believe that we can do it by ourselves. We step outside of the container, and then we ask daddy to come and pick up the juice. And God's like, I gave you a container for it, but you stepped outside of it, so now it can't contain. And now it becomes what was supposed to be a blessing for you now is a mess. And once juice gets dry, it gets sticky, and then it begins to attract roaches. So you can be in a relationship where everything is good, and every, who am I talking to? Everything is great. And then two months later, you're trying to figure out, what, what happened? God, you blessed this. Yes, God can bless the juice, but only if you put it in the container that he built for it. So he gives Adam what first? He gives him a place. Honey, if he ain't got a place, he ain't it. I live at home with my moms. How do I look moving into Vanessa's apartment? How dumb do I look? If I'm supposed to be the man that's supposed to be taking care of her, now what I'm telling her mentally, physically, and socially is that I don't even have enough to take care of myself, but I'll move in with you. What would have happened if Adam would have gotten Eve with no place? Hey, man, this garden is dope, but I don't own it. Don't, don't, don't touch those trees. I thought he said we could touch all the trees. No, I don't own none of them, and I ain't got no bread. He hasn't made bread yet. I mean, he hasn't made, like, like, what we do is we begin to become homeless pimps. So your place becomes your field. It, it, it becomes a field for you to practice in. I want to make sure you understand that you should be practicing your dating skills within your family before you practice it with another person. The first date I went on was with my mom and my sister so that they could teach me about myself. Joshua, put your hands down. Joshua, you got to use your napkin. Joshua, that's the the fork for the soup. Fork for the soup. Yes, we know what we're talking about. Because the women in your life, young man, know women more than you do. Let me move on. The second thing that he gave Adam after he gave him place was he gave him purpose. Now, remember, we read the word and it says what? It's not good for man to be alone. But we skip over Genesis 2. Because Jesus, uh, God says this two times. The second time that God says it, he gives him Eve. But the first time that God says it's not good for man to be alone, what does he give him? Work. He says, man, God said it's not good for this man to be alone, so I'll make him a helper and a companion. So God formed from the dirt of the ground all of what? The animals of the field. Wait a minute. So what we have to understand as men, all my men grunt, do something. 
is that God will not send you a help meet if you don't have anything to help. Sis, if he ain't got a, if he, if he cannot show you a W-2, he don't need to have you. Where's your bread? Well, I got some. Where? Where? Because what I have to understand, what Adam had to understand is that once he got Eve, he had to at least, look at your neighbor and say at least. At least provide to her the life that she had for herself or that her father gave her. So when Adam got Eve, she came from God, which means that he could not provide for her by himself. She came, she came from a limitless source. So what would Adam look like moving her out of the presence of God into a two-room apartment? Look what I bought for you, but God gave me Eden. Young lady, do not leave Eden for a lock and door key in an apartment complex. Like, Dr. Morell said it the best. What happens is, is like, we worship in God, and we worship in the presence, and we love God, and, and you're, you're so, we're crazy for Jesus, and, and we worship, and we're so excited, but then we go into the bush, and we drag somebody outside of God's presence, and we try to drag them into the presence. But the, the problem is, it's like, once you drag them into the presence, they're not used to this. So then you end up forcing them to come to a place called Ambassador's Worship Center, and they get upset with you because you're growing in Christ, but they don't want it. So what we have to understand is that if you want to be in relationship, they have to meet you in the presence. Send me your location. I'm in Eden. If you want to come and see me, you got to come and see me in my father's. Be, be, be fearful of a woman that doesn't want you to meet her father. Because when stuff doesn't happen, I can't put my hands on you, but your daddy can't get her. Y'all laughing. I'm serious. Vanessa? There's a third thing that God gave Adam. After he gave him a place, after he gave him purpose, Adam had to prove that he could cultivate the ground. So he didn't just give him animals. Adam had to water them, he had to feed them, and he had to name them. If you're in a relationship and you're confused, that means that he has not named you. So you're an animal that's roaming around in this garden. You have no name. You don't know who you are. Sis, if he loves you, he's going to call you his girlfriend, his boo, his fiance. If you're none of those things, then you need to leave him. Because if you don't have a name, that means that there's embarrassment. There's no, na there's no way that you don't name something you're not embarrassed. So we have bastard children in relationships where I'll give you my body, but I won't give you a name. The third thing that God gave Adam was parameters. He says, look, I'm going to give you a place. Look, I'm going to give you purpose. And then after that, I'm going to give you parameters. Look at everything in the garden. You can eat from anything and everything in this garden except for that tree. Joshua, you can be in relationship. You can date. You can go to movies. But just don't be alone after 8 o'clock in the dark. God never said that the fruit wouldn't taste good. Sex is amazing. Sex is beautiful. But its container is marriage. But if you experience what the fruit is before you get the container to hold it, you will always be destroyed. So he gives him place. He gives him purpose. Then what God does is he gives him some rules to the engagement. After me and Vanessa decided to, 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 to become engaged, well, after I decided to spend the money on the rock, Jesus, um, 
I started to realize that what I thought I knew and what I had learned from the Bible and what I had learned from our pastors was not correct because it was the context of pastors, but not in the context of parents. So what could happen in, in our relationships is that we're in relationships with our place. We have our purpose, but we have no parameters, and our juice is running all over the place, which is good. Apples are amazing. Apple juice is great. But when it's set off for too long, it becomes sticky, and then rodents come, and then roaches come. So what has to happen with Adam is God gives him parameters, and then he gives him Eve. But this is the funny thing. Out of Adam, God pulls Eve, which means that once you know where you are, once you know what you're supposed to do with your purpose, and once you have the boundaries of your life, you know how to wake up, you know how to go and get your job, you know how, how, to, how, how to cook and clean the toilet, the back part of it, because the front part you can, you can cap, but the back part, if it's clean, that means they really clean, right? Like once that happens, God literally pulls Eve out of who? Out of Adam. So the last parameter in our relationships is that if you've done all the other three, place, purpose, and parameters correctly, then God is able to literally pull out of you what he wants. And then as men, we look at women and we say, wow, that's bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, which kind of debunks that conversation that, that, that God tells you who to marry. God showed Adam Eve, but Eve, Adam was the one that named her and made him his own. As we're moving forward today, Pastor Martin's going to come up. I want to make sure that as you're in this sober moment that you understand the hope of what I've just talked about. Courtship can be practiced even in marriage. Courtship, if you're in a relationship and you want it to work out, I want to make sure that, you can, that it can happen as long as you have relationship with God, relationship with the people around you, and you know who you are. There is grace and there is hope for every single relationship that is here. But the most important thing that you have to do is that you have to allow God to put it in the container of grace and mercy. All right. Very good. Very good. So from, from the perspective of what he was saying about courtship, I want to go to the foundation of it. And here's the truth about relationships, marriage, courtship, dating, all those things. Here's the truth. <clears throat> what God is after is one flesh. At the end of the day, it's about two becoming one. And if we do it right, two families become one. You're beginning to see the work. So if we do this right, I don't just become one with Linnell. I become the Wilchers and the Williams become one. In the the first times this was really seen in the world was when two kingdoms were at war. And they realized that if they could come together, they could be stronger against other enemies. So do you know how they took care of that? Through marriage. The king's daughter would marry the other king's son. And immediately you have one kingdom. And they never go to war with each other again. Okay, so if, if I marry Linnell and we become one, but we haven't included the Williams and the Wilchers, there is eventually going to be war between the two. So we'll be worse off 
than we were before we got married. Right? And the unfortunate thing is that this happens generation after generation after generation after generation. So we have distant cousins and crazy uncles and people we can't identify with. So if we understand that the goal is forever, the goal is becoming one forever. That's the goal. That's the heart of God. Am I making sense? So I want, you, I want, to, I want to show you something. I hope it doesn't throw you off and make you feel some type of way, but this is just the way it works. We're going to go to Judges. Judges 14, 1 through 3. And uh, you got your mic right, so you can jump in anytime, Pastor Nell. Okay, so here's the story of Samson. Here's, here's the story. This is how it went. Let's read it together. Now, Samson went down to Timnah and saw a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. Next verse. So he went up and told his father and mother, saying, I have seen a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. Now, therefore, do what? You getting the principle? He says, I saw a woman down there in the Philistines. She was fine. She was all that. Go get her for me. In other words, he could not go get her himself. Your daughter cannot go get a man and bring him to your house. Talking about, I met him last semester. That will not work. It won't work in my house. My first time knowing him and seeing him, you bringing him home to me. No, you don't have permission to go get someone, Josh. That, that's a family thing. Because down the road, down the road, I need to know who this person is. I need to know their mama them. I need to know if they're used to chaos. Because you could marry a pretty fine thing, but she or he comes from a house where they fight all the time, they don't get along, and now you've just brought that up in your house. They steal from people, so they're going to start stealing from you. You know, stupid people steal from themselves. So, okay, so, so he said, go get her for me. Now watch what his mom and dad say. Both of them have the same heart, same mind about this thing. We're getting ready to add to our family. This is what's getting ready to happen. Am I making sense at all? Is this boring you? His father and mother said to him, read it, is there no woman among the daughters of your brethren or among all my people that you must go and get a wife from an uncircumcised? Don't you got somebody that love God, is saved, baptized in the Holy Ghost, go to church already, know how to save, know how to save, know how to save and give a dime out of a dollar, somebody you ain't got to train how to pray, somebody that you don't have to teach how to love, somebody, I mean, is there nobody among your brethren? We're not talking about skin color here. Can't you find somebody that already loves Jesus? (laughs) Well, these are my sisters at church. I grew up with all these girls at church. They're like my sisters. And my sister, mama sister said to me, 
Linnell is your wife. I said, well, she's sort of like my sister. She said, exactly. You're not going to have to tell her to love Jesus. You're not going to have to tell her how to dress. You don't have to teach her how to cook. We know her people. We know how they live. We know where they're from. And your daddy led her grandfather to the Lord, their family. I said, yes, ma'am. Arranged marriages. I don't want nobody to pick my spouse. I bet you wish you could go back now, don't you? <laughs> and get some help. <laughs> no, no, you better not say nothing sitting next to your spouse. That's marital suicide. Is there no one among your, the daughters of your brethren and among your people that you may go and get a wife from the, you got to get an uncircumcised Philistine. Samson said what? Get her for me. This one done rock my world, daddy. This is the one. The next verse says this. They, they don't have to put it up, but the next verse says, but they didn't understand that God had a plan to defeat the Philistines, and he used, he used Samson to do it. So God allowed this relationship. But can I just say what happened to Samson at the end? He did destroy the Philistines, but he died too in the middle of it all. <laughs> so here's a couple things I want to say to you about this, if you haven't already gathered them. I need to sit down. Okay. Okay. What you see with your eyes may not be what's good for you. When you see her, see him, see whatever, see the car they're driving, see what, what you see may not be what's good for you. He saw her, but she was not good for him. We together? Your parents really know you, and it may not be mom and dad. It might be an aunt or grandma or somebody in your life. They really know you, and they're not saying he's the wrong guy. They're saying he's the wrong guy for you. We know you. We know what you really want, and he hasn't seen it yet. We know what you really need, Josh. So we're telling you this particular person may not have what you really need. The biggest arguments would come with Callie and Josh, not, not me and Josh or mom and Josh. It would come when we're listening to them upstairs or someplace else, and they're having this discussion. No, that's the wrong person. You know that's the wrong person. You need someone who does this, this, and that. They don't even do that. They don't even think that way. We just sit back and listen. Because your family really knows what you need. They've been with you the whole time. So... So Samson's dad is telling him, I know, I know she's done rock your world. Maybe she gave you a piece of something. I don't know what just happened. <laughs> okay. 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 I know you've never felt like that before. But son, I've been married to your mama for a minute. 
And I'm going to tell you there are going to be some days you're going to need more than sex. And if that's all you think she's got, I'm telling you it's not going to be enough for you. Because I know you, son, you need more than that. Okay? Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes you get what you didn't want when you get what you want. Because you haven't been around it long enough, you get what you want, but what you want comes with other stuff you don't want. And you really need time to figure out the stuff you don't want. You have to understand the stuff you don't want. So that when you link up with someone and now you're going to court, you're going to court them, you're going to think about marrying them, you need some people around you to help you figure out what you don't want. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, right, I'm telling, I'm telling you right now. I'm telling you, it's a simple thing, but a friend of mine, it's a simple thing, but a friend of mine years ago, he fell in love with this girl and he's like, well, Martin, you know, it's time for us to get married. I said, no, I got to get a degree first because I know the woman, I know the woman that whenever I end up with her, she's going to want stuff. And I don't have any stuff. So you can go ahead and get married. It's all fine. But I said, I'm not ready. I'm not ready to get married. I'm going to get married. He fell in love with this girl, and uh, she was kind of, uh, if, if uh, I don't want to, yeah, I don't want to, I'm just saying what I'm saying. I'm not saying anything about anybody. But she was kind of a jock. She was a really good athlete, so she was a gym rat like a lot of us. She was always at the gym, really athletic. But he liked girls with painted toes, and their hair was always done and, and fashionable. And I just said to him, I said, I'm, I'm you know, I'm not, you know, I, I ain't, you know, I ain't trying to do nothing. But I'm telling you, in a few months, you're going to want to take her out and show her off. Now, I'm just letting you know what this girl going to do. Back in the day, Adidas. She going to put on her Adidas. <laughs> And, and, and you're and you going to be like, why are you wearing that? And she's going to say, this is what I like to wear. Then it's going to elevate the producers here. He can see it elevating. Nessa's going to be like, well, you knew who I was before you married me. Well, are you trying to change me now? To I'm going home. So I said to him, it might be a good idea for you to test it out now before you marry her. Take her to a nice restaurant, a nice restaurant with a dress code. Tell her it has a dress code. See what she do. Y'all, this girl, <laughs> this girl showed up. She didn't show up in long. She had her new shorts on. You know, back in the day, them, them basketball shorts that used to sort of come to your knee, she had on her new shorts and white socks, great gym shoes. We call them tennis shoes back in the day. She was ready. He had on his, you know, his jacket, his, his shirt and everything. And he said, is that what you're going to wear? And y'all, it played out. Just exactly as I, this is a small thing. She said, I'm never going to dress like that. Now you want to know if they got married. Heck no, they didn't get married. That opened up so many doors for you get a lot of stuff you don't want once you get what you do want. I know what it's like. I know what it's like. I know what it's like sitting right there next to your spouse. 
and you can't take notes. You can't, you can't say amen. You can't say nothing. And you were like, I thought it was going to be a good church service today, but this, how long is this going to last? <laughs> and I want to tell you something. Anytime we talk about family, the devil is going to show up. Some stuff that freak y'all out don't freak me out. I know what's sitting in these purple chairs. I know what you're facing at home. I know some of y'all think about getting married. You need to put on your track shoes and run. But you're not going to do what I say. I know it already. I, I get it. I get, I get all that. So when stuff happens, it doesn't really freak me out. Because I know what's sitting in these chairs. I know that there's a struggle. I know. But see, what you got to do now, if you're hearing me, when I sat in the room and heard it from Dr. Monroe, I leaned over to my wife and I said, we got to get close to them because they have to help us. Ain't no needing us hiding. Ain't no needing us lying to ourselves. We got some stuff we got to work out. Because I got you, but I got some stuff I don't know how to deal with. When, when, you, when you got a woman that her neck and her hands move and her brain moves at the same time as a million miles a minute, and you a man and you slow. I said to my wife one day, I said, I don't even know what just happened. Do you have a book with pictures in it so you can describe to me what just happened? <laughs> I'm a man. Give me an illustrated picture. Speak plainly. Use English, no more than seven words with a period, please. <laughs> and then what was said to me by this brilliant, talented, gifted, everything is connected with her. Everything, her mind, her, okay, her mind, her mouth, her body, everything does everything at one time. And I said, what did I miss? How did we get? We were just, we were just, Eddie, don't you stand up. We, we, were, we were just here. I mean, 60 seconds ago, we was together. Now, we, we, our butts don't touch in the bed. We, 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 we just on opposite side of the bed. What did I, what happened? What did I miss? No, really. What did I miss? I heard these words. You should know. Uh, what should I have known? I don't even know what. I, I, give me a category. I'm playing a game. Give me a category. Can we play a game? Is there anything we can do? What happened? Is this me or is this you? You may get everything you want, but you got to know you're going to get some stuff you don't want. So you need time to figure out the stuff you don't necessarily want. And then you can figure out if it's permanent. And if it's permanent in this person, now you got to decide, can you permanently live with that? I got one. Can I give you one more scripture? Go to my next scripture, please. My wife hadn't picked up the mic yet, so she won't say nothing. 
Did I, you remember when I asked you that? What did I miss? And she said, you should know. Can any brother understand what I'm saying? No, y'all can't say nothing. I know y'all can't say nothing. I know y'all can't say nothing. What, Dan, what did I miss? Can you just, okay, honey, just tell me one time. If you tell me one time what I miss, I promise I'll write it down, and I'll remember it next time. But it changes every time. Well, you should know. So, ladies, you can make the mistake of praying for a man, praying for a man that is connected like you. His brain is connected to his hands. His brain is connected to his eyes. And everything is one world to him. And then you realize once you get a man like that, he's never focused on you because he's no longer single-minded. His mind's all over the place. Now you got a man that's going to be highly successful, but you're not going to be his, on his arm when he goes big places. He'll be able to live without you. So let your man be simple. Get him a coloring book. <laughs> no, y'all laughing. I'm t Brothers, get a coloring book and an, and an elephant. Get a toy elephant and a coloring book. And anytime he walk in the house and he see the toy elephant, he knows that there's something wrong. Don't make him guess. It'll take him three days. By then you pissed. Get, 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 get a toy elephant. Sit the toy elephant on the kitchen uh, table. Then he will know something, something's up, something's wrong. He won't have to guess. Next to it, put a coloring book. And put an image on the coloring book so he can color in between the lines. I ain't playing with y'all. You've been married 40 years and he still don't know what you be talking about. You didn't get divorced because he didn't love you. You didn't get divorced because she didn't love you. You guys did not understand one another. And you did not really know what you were getting. Here's the second story. Y'all ready? Y'all good? So Abraham is old. Isaac is 30 now. He's getting old. Isaac is 30. Check out what happens. Read it. So Abraham said to his oldest servant, he's not named here because the oldest servant, whenever you see the oldest servant, it means the Holy Ghost. <laughs> that's, a, that, that's good right there, wasn't it? I know. So, so Abraham said to his oldest servant, the oldest servant is the Holy Spirit of his house, who ruled over all that he had. What did he say? Please put your hand... Okay, here's, here's the gesture. 
When a man was getting ready to make a man a promise, he reached inside his thigh and grabbed where he shouldn't grab, which literally means you have me by the... Okay. I won't say it. Yeah, y'all can say that. I'm saved. Y'all, I know there needs to be deliverance. I get it. So his servant came into an intimate covenant with Abraham. Intimate covenant. What did he want him to do? I will make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of the earth, that you, this is what he's doing, that you will take a wife. You will not take, thank y'all. You will not take a wife from what? Among the daughters of the Canaanites. I know we live here. We live here, but do not get a wife for my son from these people. These people crazy. They don't serve God. They don't love God. He says, do not get a wife for my son from these Canaanites. But I know we live here. Keep reading. But you shall go to, go to my country and to my and take a wife for my son. You're going to go and get a wife from the people who think like we think, people who believe like we believe, people who serve God like we serve God, people who eat the same kind of food, raise their children the same. You're going to take a wife for him among our people. Watch what, watch what he says. This is so good right here. Right. And the servant said to him, where am I going to find a woman like that worthy of your son? And should I take him with me? Because she's not going to be willing to just leave her house and come and marry Isaac. I need to take Isaac. And he told the servant, I don't need to send Isaac with you. Go and get her. You'll know her when you see her. I already know what you're going to find when you get there. I know what you're going to find if you go to my people. We don't play down there with my, my daddy Tara. I know the women down there. They're all the same. All of them know how to communicate. All of them know how to do business. It's our culture. All of them know how to serve the man of God they're married to, but never lose their singleness. It's our training. It's our culture. Don't go get a girl that it's going to take us 50 years to train. Don't have time for it. If you're a first generation and you're doing something big in your family and you're going to leave something more than just a, a Bible. If you're going to leave something more than just a Bible to your family, you better make sure who they're marrying. Because it only takes one court case to blow it all up. Well, I want it all. You didn't earn it all. You just married into this family. How are you going to try to take everything? I'm divorcing him, and I'm taking half of the family's wealth. You better go check yourself, because that ain't what's getting ready to happen. That's why you got to pay attention to who your kids is playing with on the playground, who they cheerleading with, and who they riding with. Y'all don't want to talk to me at all. It's your job. You got to be present. 
We'll send them over there. Buy a big enough house so when the volleyball team, the track team, the football team, all the teams want to have parties, they want to have sleepovers, say, y'all, y'all come over here. I ain't sending my girl over there. Y'all can come to my house. Why we always got to be at my house? Because this is my house. I can't control what's going on in Susan Q's house. Susan Q been married three times. Now she got another boyfriend, and you think I'm going to send you to their house? And she telling everybody else to call him uncle. No, I'm saving my life and his life. Because if anybody touch you at his house, I got to show up for that. I ain't calling the police first. I'm coming myself. So no, that's not what we're doing. That's too much. What's my first point? Put my first point up there. What I say? Oh yeah. Your mother and your father, your grand, your foster, your somebody in your family. Somebody in your family needs to be responsible for sending for your spouse. You need to have someone standing with you. Someone, you don't have to go. You got the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost knows who your spouse is. And you ain't got to go to Africa to find them. If it's God for you to see them, you're going to interlink. It's going to show up. Don't rush this. Don't try to make something happen. And if you like what you like, don't marry something you don't like among what you like. Well, I haven't seen what I like. Well, don't marry something you don't like. Go somewhere if you got to go somewhere. Travel. Go to the singles event at, at, at T.D. Jake's church. Then go to the singles event in, in, at Ron Carpenter's church. Go somewhere. Go to the theater. Go to baseball games and basketball games. Run into them somewhere. But don't marry something you know you don't like. You marry a dude you don't like, and then you... <laughs> can I say it? You marry a dude you don't like, Callie. Then you go to Nigeria and you see 50,000 of them that you be in love with, but you stuck with this Rudy Poot. <laughs> that you got to encourage and pump up every day. You're going to be okay. You're gonna, it's going to be a good day for you. He crying all the time and down all the time, and now you're trying to pump him up. Well, honey, let's pray. I don't want to pray. It's like, no, don't do all that. Wait. Go talk to somebody. Travel with me. Say, where you going, pastor? I'm going over to such and so church. Do they have singles? Yes. What do they look like? They like this. Get your ticket. Come with me. Ask Pastor Lil, how do I dress? Because y'all stuck in the, okay, y'all stuck in the Midwest. It's different here. Y'all go east and west coast. Y'all go to, y'all. Y'all go to Atlanta dressed like this, looking for somebody? They're going to laugh at you when you get off the plane. <clears throat> what? You came to find a what dressed like that? Where you from? Hillbilly country? There, there is a reason that Omaha is in every major movie. Okay. Okay. Where are you going? Omaha. Really? It's in every movie. <laughs> y'all seen the latest movie y'all don't even like me I get it but the, the, but the, <laughs> the latest commercial uh, Captain Obvious so Captain Obvious is sitting next to a guy and the guy's talking about how smart he is he said that's a lot to say for a man on his way to Nebraska 
Now, I love Nebraska and Omaha. It's the promised land for me because I understand it. But if you're going to go somewhere and try to attract something, you got to understand where you're going, how they dress, how they talk. You can't show up in New York talking about, well, if I had my druthers. You can't go up there with corn cobs. And, okay. You, you, you know, you And you can't change a man that's moving here from Atlanta. Why are you so flashy? Your eyebrow, are you straight? Your eyebrows is all curved. No, that's what they all do in Atlanta. Where is my other point? Go and put my other point in here because I told him to finish on time and, and I'm, 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 I'm about over time. No, I'm not about I'm, I'm, I'm good. Put, put my next no, it's all right. Y'all like, what is your next one? Okay, here's what I'm saying. Father and mother sins for Isaac's wife. Next, don't marry a person from these people. You can't even pick a person sitting next to you at AWC to marry. Just because they in here don't mean nothing. Some people come to church and they'll stay for years to get the right person. As soon as they get the right person, they switch on you. So you got to have some people. Can I tell you how spiders do it? Spiders do it by, by spiders. Do it by getting you away from everybody you love. The first sign of, like Josh said, don't be this, don't talk to your mom, don't talk to your dad, keep this secret from me. What they're trying to do is lure you away from everything and everybody who loves you. Because they know somebody is going to ask you, what the heck is this? You're going to have one friend that's going to say, what is wrong with this chick you with? Oh, she is so perfect and beautiful. She's amazing. Everything I've ever dreamed about. You didn't go to the bathroom with her. Your sister would tell you, I was in the bathroom with her. That girl, nasty. Something wrong with that girl? <laughs> what? I'm telling you, something's wrong with that girl. Have you been to her Instagram? No, I ain't got Facebook. I ain't got no gram. I ain't got nothing. Let me show you what's on this thing. Don't marry no person. Don't marry. Marry somebody from your people. Marry somebody from your people. When you go to eat Cali and he say he loved God, just decide to pray right there at the table. Grab his hands and go, Rabba Sande de Bosto. Esteje de Bosabra. Yama Nambrondo Gosetehi. If he go, oh, he pull his hands away like we're in a restaurant. Get up with my credit card and my cash. Put the money on the table and go back to your car you drove there in. You don't never let him pick you up. That's why I gave you a car. You get in my car, I gave you with insurance and gas, and get your hightail out of there. He should never meet you at your apartment that I'm paying for. And if you do that one time, Callie, you're coming home. No law school, no car, no appointment. One time. You don't get two strikes. 
One time. If you do it one time on me and I trained you for 20 years, it means you'll do it again. So I'm going to bring you home and have your mama retrain you. You might not be until you're 40 till you get out of this house. Y'all think I'm playing. You better be glad I'm not your daddy. Because some great man is going to marry you, Callie, and I'm responsible for what the kind of woman I give to him. He's going to be a great man. He's not going to need anybody's money. He's going to be sharp and talented and really strong. He's going to have big ideas, and he's going to need a woman that says, bring it on. What are we doing? Callie said, Daddy, I need a man with more layers. I don't want one with coloring books. I said, that's okay. That's okay. That's okay. You're going to get one. He won't need coloring books. But you don't have that day where you go, uh-oh, he's still just a man. Yep, that's what he is. And be thankful he's a man. Come on, ladies. Uh-uh, I, I want a sensitive man. You don't want a sensitive man. Because if he's sensitive and crying in front of you, he's going to be crying when they're talking about him at work. Instead of manning up, he's going to go to the bathroom and cry in tissue. He's not going to stand up in front of people who are talking about him, people who are taking advantage of him. He won't stand up and say, that is improper and I won't allow it. He won't do that. He'll be like, oh, <laughs> he'll be calling you, you at work, honey, can you pray for me? Some of y'all mad with me. You still with me, Greg? Don't you go to sleep. You want a man, every now and then his hands and knees are ashy. You want him to come home from work or the gym smelling like a horse. You want to sometimes have to remind him to take a shower. You don't know about that one? Yeah, I'm telling you. How long have you been married? Not long enough. Should I've been married five years. Mm, not long enough. You, you wait, about 15, 20 years, you're going to be ready for the next level. And if he don't know how to go there, you're going to be like, what we doing? What we doing? What we doing? He'll be like, I'm happy right here. This is all I wanted. And your head going to be shaking. That's what I'm telling you. The shower parts will get you. She like, leave me alone, Pastor. We need to have dinner. I want to tell you what I really meant. No, I ain't telling y'all. If she confused, y'all are too. So, so marry someone from your people. How do you know they're from your people? How do you know? How you know they're from your people, Callie? I'm, I'm talking to you. How do you know they're from your people? How do you know they're from your people? They love the Lord. Uh-huh. They work hard. Uh-huh. They know that um, submission goes both ways. Uh-huh. Uh, they know that 
they need to be serving. Serving is a part of our life. We tithe. They okay. know that we pray when we have to pray. We are not afraid. We're in this world, not of it. You know, whatever's going on on the TV, it doesn't affect okay. me in my house. Okay, we'll let you go back then, as long <laughs> as you know this. <laughs> Lastly, you don't have to spend your whole life looking. Live your life. Go where you love. Enjoy traveling. Do what you enjoy. That person God has for you is on the way to where you're going. No one is going to pick you up sitting, waiting. You're going to have to be in progress. So 2 Corinthians says this, don't be unequally yoked. Don't be unequally yoked to unbelievers. And we read that to say, I just need to marry a saved person. They need to love Jesus. Do you love Jesus? It's good enough for me. Uh-uh. Some of these people love a different Jesus. <clears throat> and if you got to talk them in the church. Okay, we're going to be transparent because I, I want them to help me for about five minutes because there are some parts that are missing. That you need to know. Because someone told me, and I'm, I'm surprising Josh. I hope he handles this well. Y'all can look at his face. It'd be okay. This is just one of those Williams moments. But a friend I respect said to me, what's happening with Josh is amazing. I said, it is. They said, can you, can you give me the backstory?" I'm like, what backstory? What do you, what do you, what do you say? This is a pastor. Very famous one. He said, I want to understand. Okay. So he's in Mississippi now. I said, yes, sir, he's in Mississippi. He said, what's the backstory?" I'm like, tell me again what the backstory is. Well, he's with Vanessa in Mississippi. I said, yes. Ah. All he saw was the Instagram posts. So he's trying to figure out, you've been talking about courtship for over 20 years. What is your son doing? How is he in Mississippi with a girl? How, what, what's the backstory? Y'all need to explain this to us. I said, oh, I, I didn't even pay attention to it. So, Joshua, what's the backstory? <laughs> Check. One, two. Okay. The backstory of piece by piece. Uh, so, the, good evening. Uh, the, the back story was that it's impossible to marry somebody that doesn't know your family, that okay. doesn't understand your struggle, and that isn't able to literally put their hands and their feet in it. Okay. So we come from slave country. We come from gristle. We come from being owned, being shackled and lassoed. So okay. until we get married, we cannot get married unless she has eaten, slept, and has felt that. In order for us to do that, knowing how our parents and how Give our family minutes. work, we are not able to stay in the same, underneath the same roof. Right. So once I fly there, if she is my fiance, I pay for everything, everything she eats, everything she touches, her flight, her hotel. If I can't do that, then I'm not ready to be married. So I invite, I, I ask her if she's able to go. My parents give her the okay to come. Mom and dad call their people, set up places for us to stay because we are not supposed to stay in the same house. I can't shower in the same house. I can't take my shoes off in the same house. Not religiously, but because it won't destroy our integrity. So every night at a reasonable time at around 1030, I, I can't kiss her. I can't hold her hand, can't even hug her. I go to the other space, 
we fall asleep. I can't even change at the house. Anytime that we drive, there is context. As long as we're in New Orleans, we call two friends of ours that are at the same level of relationship or higher than we are that keep us accountable. I stay in a room with that, with that, uh, that male. She stays in the room with the female, and they are accountable to us towards the night. We are never alone, and we always check up at the end of the night that give a playback of how we went through the day. That way, our good cannot be evil spoken of. That's the backstory. And his mother and father need to know, and Vanessa's mother and father need to know. Everywhere they're going, everything they're doing. And if, chan if plans change. And if plans change. Yeah. So if you saw something on Instagram, you wondered about your pastor. I know. You're like, hmm. What, he, what, he, what they doing. That's what we're doing. That's what we're doing. If you, if, if, okay, okay. So, so some of y'all right now, you might have to go on a man fast. Hmm. Some people ain't coming back. They like, look, you told me to come to church with you. Look. You might need to go on a woman fast. Get your toothbrush and your underwear out of that apartment. Delete the phone number for a month. Don't go nowhere with them. Fast for a month. Don't check up on them. Don't DM. Don't do nothing fast because even if this is the right person for you, you have become too familiar. Amen. <laughs> you become too familiar and now you can correct it. But we're married. We're married. And Pastor Mark, what you're talking about today, this is ridiculous. There ain't no way. Listen, there is the blood of Jesus that restores everything. I have done weddings where the hymen was restored scientifically. We have done weddings where the soul ties were broken and they literally came together on their wedding night, virgins. Total new experience. I have talked to couples that once they did what they found was right and then came back together, it was fresh and new again. Your marriage can be restored. Your singleness can be restored. Everything about your life can be restored. So I want to pray for you. You have your mic in your hand. What would you like to share? That God's people must be distinct in our conduct, married or unmarried. We don't live Sorry. like the world. We don't place the banner of godliness over our lives 
and walk out something totally contrary to that. I believe we are the people in this room, this family series that should take confidence and begin to turn this thing around. If you're unmarried, only do what unmarried people are supposed to be doing according to the word of God. And if you're married, do those things that God has commanded us to do in outside of our relationships. There are things inside of marriage that are only to be practiced inside of marriage. There are things that we are supposed to be doing as singles that you're not supposed to be doing if you're not married. And you know what those things are. So I'm asking you to join the campaign to stop confusing the world. And for God's sake, quit confusing the youth and the young ones among us.